encourage you to open your Bibles, if you brought them, um, to the book of Acts, page, um, uh, chapter number 18, uh, verse 18 through 28. If you did not bring your Bible this morning, we encourage you to find a Bible provided in a chair in front of you. Uh, just grab one of the Bibles. You may find our passage listed on page number 927. Um, I will be reading from the ESV translation. For those of you who are visiting us this morning, I want to remind you that uh, we are continuing our series of sermons through the book of Acts. This is uh, Sermon 43 in this series. I pray that the Lord uses it for our edification, for our growth. I encourage you to join us again next Sunday and continue to be with us as we go uh, through this uh, book of, of Scripture. Acts chapter 18 and the theme that I'm looking at this morning is the remarkable care of strengthening believers. The remarkable care of strengthening believers. Here's the word of God for us this morning. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Chancria, he had cut his hair for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church, and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who, through grace, had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the Scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Amen. Would you bow with me? Ask the Lord to bless the reading that we have just heard, the proclamation that we will hear, so that it will be beneficial for our hearts. Would you pray with me? Lord, we stand in awe of you that... You have revealed yourself to us. You have revealed to us your truths. You have revealed to us the way you brought Jesus into the world and have spread the gospel in the early church. Oh, Lord, now we pray that by your Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you use the words we will hear? Would you engage with us? We pray this in the name of Christ and through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit who is among us. Amen. Well, friends, the passage we have before us is, um, is a very brief, a very brief summary of uh, Paul's second missionary journey and its end. As a matter of fact, um, we, um, this passage that we read 
is really the, the end of Paul's second missionary journey and the beginning of his third missionary journey. If we weren't going carefully through this passage, we would not even realize this. Um, but it's from, from verse 18 to, to 23, we see this transition of, of Paul's end, his return back to Antioch from where he left, and then he goes again from Antioch and moves on to start another missionary journey. This, is, this happens from verse 20, 18 through 23. And then verse 24 through 28, we see the emergence of another, another leader in the early church. His name is Apollos. He will have a major role uh, in following up on Paul's ministry in, in Corinth. As a matter of fact, Paul will write to the Corinthians. He will say at one point, Well, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase, the growth. Well, it's, this passage tells us how is it that Apollos got to go to Corinth. Corinth was like the capital city of the region of Achaia. And here we are told how Apollos gets to go to Achaia. So we're introduced how this, to, to, to how this prominent leader in the early church uh, came to the scene of the gospel spread, even though he was from Alexandria. Well, while these sections are different, Paul's journey, and then Apollos' emergence as a leader, there is a common thread that goes through these all. And that common thread is a focus on strengthening believers. The focus on strengthening believers. It's a remarkable responsibility indeed, friends. It's a remarkable responsibility that the Lord places upon our hearts and upon our shoulders the care to strengthen the followers of Christ. We've seen this reality, we've seen this responsibility earlier in the book of Acts. Let me remind you just a few verses. In Acts 14, 21 and 22, when Paul went to visit churches that he had recently planted, he was strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. Uh, just a chapter later in Acts 15, verse 32, we read about Judas and Silas. These were prophets um, that had come out. Uh, to the church in, uh, in Jerusalem. And uh, we read that they encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. Just a few verses later in chapter 15, verse 41, at the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey, we read about him that him, him and Silas went through Syria and Cilicia strengthening the churches. It's amazing how this focus on strengthening the churches. The Lord Jesus, when he told Peter on the night that Peter was going to betray him, the Lord Jesus told Peter, said, Peter, I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. One of the great privileges and responsibilities we have as Christians is to contribute to the strengthening of fellow believers, fellow followers of Christ. So I want to speak to you today about the remarkable care of strengthening believers. Four points I'd like to, to share with you from this passage about the remarkable care of strengthening believers. And here's the first one. Make room... Make room to care for the strengthening of other believers. Make room to
to care for the strengthening of other believers. In verses 18 through 22, uh, we get a sense that Luke is, is pressing the forward button as he's wrapping up Paul's second missionary journey. We're told very little information about Paul's journey from um, Corinth all the way back to Antioch. Uh, just, just, for, just for example, how quickly uh, Luke goes in this presentation. For example, we have no idea what caused uh, Paul to cut his hair. I mean, we know it was a vow, but we have no idea what that vow was. And it's interesting, why would Luke tell us about Paul cutting his hair? I mean, of all the details, really, of all the details you would say, is that at Chancrea, which was the east, eastern port of Corinth, before he set on the boat to go back to Antioch, or to Ephesus and then forward, we are told that he cut his hair. We don't know what the vow was. It's possible uh, that Paul showed, wanted to show his, his piety as a Jew. He, was, he continued to, to be in the Jewish tradition. He did not give that up just because he believed in Jesus. Um, and things that did not conflict with the gospel of Jesus, Paul was able to continue to uphold. That's a possibility. There's many other reasons. He could have uh, taken the vow as a, as a Nazarite vow um, in order to show his thankfulness to God for the protection God has given him. And indeed, God has given him protection in Corinth. Now, he could have asked for deliberate protection from God as he sails back. These are, these are uh, hypotheses. These are explanations given as possibilities, but we just don't know what the vow was for which Paul cut his hair. And Luke doesn't tell us. Then in Ephesus, Paul goes to Ephesus, and, and surprisingly, this is one of the few communities where the Jews welcome him. Up until now, in the previous communities, Paul always had a hard time with the Jewish community. Here, the Jews welcome him, and yet he says, I can't stay. I got to go. We don't know why. He just, he just promises, I'll come back if the Lord wills. Then he, he sets sail. He gets to Caesarea. Um, there he lands and... Uh, goes up to visit the church. And most likely that phrase of going up to visit the church is referring to the church in Jerusalem, possibly. Um, but even there, we don't know what he's doing. From Jerusalem, he's going down to Antioch. He's there for a long time. And that concludes his second missionary journey. But Luke doesn't tell us very much about that. And then he, 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 he starts moving on to what Paul does next. And the next thing he does is to start going again to visit previously planted churches in the regions of Phrygia and Galatia. And what is he doing there? He's strengthening all the disciples. L look at verse 23. After spending some time there in Antioch, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Do you see how Paul is beginning his third missionary journey? By strengthening the believers in these areas. This is how Paul began his second missionary journey, and this is how we see him do it again now in his third missionary journey. Why? Why do we see this pattern? Why do we see in Paul a desire, a priority, not just to, to share the gospel with those who don't know Jesus, but also to go back to believers and seek to strengthen them? Friends, one, one, one encouragement I, 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 I want to bring to you this morning is we should not put the priorities of evangelism or of strengthening disciples to be at odds with each other. As if one is more important than the other. We must do 
both. Now, it's true that there might be seasons in, in our lives or in, in, the, in our life as a congregation where one of them might have a, a bigger focus. Um, so that like last year and even we continue this year, we've been focusing on, on the area of evangelism and how we speak the gospel to each other and to those around us. But when we look at a longer time, we should realize that both are important and both are the responsibility of every believer. But here Luke tells us of Paul's desire to visit various churches with the purpose of strengthening them. And this is not the only place where we see this in Paul. When Paul writes his letter to the church in Rome, he says in chapter 1 of Romans, he says, For I long to see you, that I impart to you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Do you hear the longing of Paul's heart for what he was hoping to accomplish through this visit? I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Do you hear that longing to strengthen them? How? By talking about their faith about what they had put their hopes on by reminding them of the truths of God's Word to assure them that that which they have believed is indeed sure. And they can grow in understanding that. Notice in Paul this pattern. He made room in his life to care for the strengthening of other believers. Do we? Do we? Do we make room in our lives to strengthen other believers? Do we even have this category in our minds to think about the importance of strengthening other believers? Do you think much about this aspect of caring for others by seeking to strengthen them in the faith? Does that even come as, as a possibility of, of showing care for other people? If Paul made room during his travels to strengthen other disciples, what does that say about the importance of such strengthening for us? So, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, my first encouragement to you is let us make room. Let us make room in our lives for the strengthening of other believers. I wonder, what are some things you need to change in your life to make room for such strengthening? What needs to happen in your life for that to happen? But how do we do it? You may say, okay, I, so you're challenging me to think, what, what do I need to change? What do I need to, to think about my life so that I can make room to, to strengthen other believers? But how do you even provide such strengthening? What does it look like? Here's number two. Point number two I'd like to share with you this morning. Strengthen believers by bringing to them the Word of God. Strengthen believers by bringing to them the Word of God. See, what's beautiful about this passage, it's not just Paul who wanted to strengthen and help other believers. Apollos had the same desires. Look at verse 27. Look at verse 27. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who, through grace, had believed. Now, how did, how did Apollos help them? The text tells us 
by showing from the scriptures that Christ was indeed Jesus. Apollos was able to refute the Jews who expected the Messiah, but who did not believe that the Messiah was Jesus. They were longing for the Messiah to show up, but when, when the apostles, when the Christians said, hey, he has already come, it is Jesus, the Jews would not like to hear that. So Apollos was able to refute them and to, to encourage the Christians to show them from Scripture that indeed the Messiah was Jesus. Now, in other words, if we were to take a step back and look what, what Apollos is doing here, Apollos provided Christians with reasons from the Scriptures about their faith in Jesus. In other words, bring them the Word of God as a foundation for their faith. This was a means of strengthening them. Strengthening other believers by bringing them the Word of God. Apollos gave the strengthening by speaking to them from God's Word. You know why this strengthening is important? Because it's a strengthening that has its source in God's Word. Sometimes, friends, um, sometimes we think about strengthening other people, and we really think or assume that that strength comes from us, right? It's like just sometimes giving the gift of presence, being with someone in their, in their trials, in their, in their tribulation, in their hard times, is a real benefit, just being there, just, just listening, not saying anything, just being there. And that's indeed a, a help, a, a, an encouragement to people who are going through trials. But one of the things we want to be very careful and cautious is that the strength we're talking about here is not just human strength. We're not just aiming to give them another dose of human strength. Here, from me, here, I give it to you. That's, the, that's not the strength. I mean, that strength can be helpful, but only for a short period of time. It's not long-lasting. The strength we are called to give to each other is a strength that has its source in the Word of God. It's a strength that is, is, is rooted in God's Word. It's, it's not a human strength. It's divine. Let me give you an example from the Old Testament. Moses encouraged um, the second generation of Israelites um, about the value, about the truth, about the, the delight and the resourcefulness that there is in the Word of God. Moses tried to equip the, the, the second generation of Jews to understand how much of a resource, how much treasure there is in the Word of God alone. So at one point, Moses says, you guys know why God uh, allowed you to hunger in the desert? Or why God allowed your, for, your forefather, your parents to, to hunger in the desert? Do you know why he allowed you to go through the desert and struggle with food, and then he provided the manna for you. Do you know why he did that? And Moses says to them, because God wanted to teach them that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then Jesus used those very verses from Deuteronomy 8.3 to respond to the devil when Jesus was, was tempted the Word of God is rich. The Word of God is resourceful. The Word of God is adequate for our life. The Word of God is adequate for our strengthening. 
Friends, that's why if we care to strengthen believers, know this, that besides making ourselves available to spend time with them, to visit them, to find out what's going on in their lives, besides these initial steps, we should find ways to point them to God's Word, to bring God's Word into our conversation, to say it, point it to them, so that we want to point them to the true source of strength and encouragement, because it's not us. It's not our wise counsel. It's the Word of God that is true, the true source of strength. We're not enough, we're not good enough sources of strength. The strength we provide as human beings is only temporary. Have you ever been to, um, to, try to, to visit someone and trying to encourage someone in, in their hard times? Perhaps it was an older saint who's really down, discouraged, and life um, and their physical body is so weak. Uh, they need encouragement. And you go and you, you, you want to go to encourage them um, to, to bring some joy into their lives. And uh, yes, their body is frail. They can barely talk. You really have to, to listen carefully. But in the, in, the fr- in, the, in the frail words, you hear a hope in God. You hear about promises that these saints claim to or cling to in the midst of their difficulty. And you walk away more encouraged <laughs> than you went to. You, you, you went to be encouraging the other person. And you walked away more encouraged. And it's not because there was anything in that person, in their human body, that was, that was a source of encouragement, but it was something spiritual in that person that they were able to cling on to. And that encourages you, who went there to encourage them. See, that's an, an example that the strength we need is not human strength. It's spiritual strength. Bring people the Word of God. Encourage them in the promises of God. Help them to see the hope that we have beyond the grave. Help them to see the realities, the blessedness, the inheritance that God has promised us beyond the grave, beyond what this life here offers us. Encourage one another in the faith by bringing each other the Word of God. Notice whom Apollos helped and strengthened. He, uh, verse 27, when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. I love that description. I love that description. It's, it, it's a description of all Christians. Those who, through grace, have believed. In other words, our faith, our response to believing the gospel happened not simply because of what we did. It happened because of the grace of God in our hearts. Yes, it is God's grace that brings people to faith in Jesus. But just because it's it's a grace of God that enables us to believe does not mean that we are in no need of help from other believers. Just because our faith is God's grace in our lives, it does not mean that we should try to live the Christian life by ourselves, away, secluded from other believers. Just because it is God's grace that enables us to believe does not mean that we should not seek to strengthen other believers and to be strengthened. Now, all this encouragement about strengthening other believers uh, sounds, like, sounds like the job of the pastors, right? It sounds like the job of the Apostle Paul. It sounds like the job of Apollos. It sounds like the job of, of Sunday school teachers, those who are trained how to teach God's Word. But I'm just a believer. 
You know, I, I'm, just, I'm just a guy in the, a gal in the pew, and what does this have to do with me? I'm so glad you asked this question because point number three that I want to bring to you this morning from God's Word is this. You don't have to be a pastor to strengthen other believers. You don't have to be a pastor to strengthen other believers. Where do I see this in the passage I read, we read this morning? Apparently, Aquila and Priscilla were left uh, by Paul in Ephesus. And their stay in Ephesus was uh, not without some significant fruit. The fruit of Aquila and Priscilla is seen in their impact on Apollos and the way Aquila and Priscilla cared for Apollos and strengthened him in his teaching and the kind of things he was teaching. So let's look at, uh, at Aquila, Priscilla, and Apollos and, and their interaction. Apollos had a great profile. Uh, Luke tells us quite a few things, impressive things about this man. Um, he was from Alexandria, a Jew, a native of Alexandria. Alexandria was like, 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 like a very famous place for, for the Jewish community. Um, legend or history tells us that 200 years prior to this time, uh, the Old Testament was translated from Hebrew into the Greek, and it happened in Alexandria, so they say. Also, Alexandria was a hometown of a famous Jewish philosopher by the name of Philo. Uh, so Alexandria had this reputation for being a, a community where a lot of Jews were present, and they were very, very knowledgeable and intellectual, very zealous. And, and that rubbed off on, on Apollos. But also, we are told that uh, he was an eloquent man. He was smart, well-read. He was sharp. And his knowledge was especially seen in his competency of the Old Testament scriptures. He was also instructed in the way of the Lord. Um, he already knew about Jesus. We don't know from where, but he already knew about Jesus. Uh, and the text tells us he was fervent in spirit, and he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. But there's one thing he missed, or one thing he lacked. He was familiar only with the baptism of John. Now, it's, we don't really understand what exactly that meant, but Commentators think it may have been that Apollos failed to make the connection between repentance, which the baptism of John was very clear on, it was a baptism of repentance, and the teaching about Jesus. And, and, and he knew both, but he didn't connect them. So it's very possible that what Apollos may not have seen tightly is that... Uh, he didn't see the connection between repentance and the message about Jesus. And friends, by the way, that is a huge point of the gospel. That's, that's where understanding of the gospel and what it requires of us is so pivotal. The gospel is a message about Jesus, whom was sent by God as a means to provide salvation, as a means of providing forgiveness of sins for all those who would repent of their sins and trust in Jesus as their Savior. Now, repentance of sins, uh, forgiveness of sins, and the call to repent is given to people, is proclaimed to all people, no longer just based on the baptism of John, but it's based on the life, death, resurrection, and exaltation of Jesus. We can now proclaim to all people that God's forgiveness is made available to them if only they would repent of their sins and turn to Jesus. Apollos may have not seen that connection between repentance and the message of Jesus. So now, look at verse 26. Apollo, uh, Aquila and Priscilla took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately. 
Now, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Aquila and Priscilla. You hear an eloquent speaker bringing God's word in the synagogue. And he's quite eloquent. He's quite knowledgeable. He's fervent. He's zealous. Ah, but he missed something pretty important. What do you do? Do you, uh, do you talk behind his back? Do you try to create a public dispute? What do you do? The verse tells us, verse 26, second part tells us, Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him, and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Wow. What is surprising in the context is that the one who needs to do the correction the one who needs to do the strengthening, the ones who needs to point, point to God's word is no, not the one speaking in public. It's the one listening. A lay couple. People are just in the pew listening to God's word preached. In this, day, in this case, it was most likely in the synagogue. Um, we don't know exactly for sure, but anyway, Aquila and Priscilla are on the listening side. And they are the ones now who are pulling Apollos aside to strengthen him in his teaching. You know what I take from this? You don't have to be a pastor to strengthen other believers. You don't. Aquila and Priscilla are examples here for us and for all believers that all Christians are called to know the gospel and to support and to promote the truthful proclamation of God's Word. Dear Christians, those of you who are fellow, fo fellow followers of Christ, it's not just a pastor or those teaching Sunday school who are called to guard the truth and to teach it accurately. You too must listen for accurate teaching. You too must listen in such a way to promote truthful proclamation of God's Word. Now, the basis of correction, the basis of, of strengthening um, what you hear preached should not be your feelings. It shouldn't be your personal experience. It shouldn't be even our own denominational experience or tradition, but the sound teaching of God's Word. We always allow God's Word to critique everything else, even our own background, even our own tradition. But be sure of this, that the teaching and strengthening that we are to give to each other is based on teaching the way of God more accurately. It's not just teaching life experience. It's not teaching our own impressions, but teaching the way of God. Is there a desire in us? Is there a desire in you to strive to understand and know and hear the way of God more accurately taught? When you hear God's truth somewhere or in some situation that is not accurately taught. Are you doing something about that? Or are you just a, a, a sleeping listener? You're just sort of, okay, I guess that happened. No. Don't be that kind of a sleeping listener. Care that what is being taught is God's truth, God's way more accurately taught. Aquila and Priscilla, as lay believers, are willing to address and care about the accuracy and integrity of the gospel, and they're willing to speak about it 
First in private with a preacher. And that did it. That was enough. Now, I don't know what would have happened if Apollos did not react well. I have no idea. But that didn't happen. Here's number four. Make room to allow others to strengthen you. Make room to allow others to strengthen you. I ask you to put yourselves in the shoes of Aquila and Priscilla. I'm going to ask you something else now. Put yourselves, and ladies, you can do this too. It's just a mental image. Put yourselves in the shoes of Paulus. You got that background. You got the knowledge. You got this eloquency. You're the one speaking. And here's this lay couple. Pulls you aside and uh, says, uh, we'd love to talk to you some more about the things you've taught. There's some things that we'd like to talk to you about, let you know about, tell you about, ask more about. And when you meet with them, they realize, yeah, you, you had some things that what you said was true but incomplete. And you missed some connections. You missed some important connections. How would you react if you were Apollos? Who's this couple? What, what do they know? You see, friends, it's not enough just to make room to seek to strengthen other believers. In a culture where we, where we want to strengthen each other, we also need to make room to be strengthened by others, to allow others to strengthen us. I love Apollos' openness to understand the Word of God more correctly. Even though he had many things already known, he had known many things. He was very knowledgeable already. But when this couple pulls him aside, and indeed they bring to him God's Word, more accurately taught, he's open. He's open. Friends, do we have that openness? Do we have that openness? Let's learn from Apollos' attitude to be open to others offering this kind of help. Don't be insecure about it. When someone challenges you about your views, engage in, in conversation on biblical grounds. We want to make sure it's, it's God's Word that corrects us, not our own impressions of it. The desire in such a conversation should not be who's right or who's wrong, but can we understand God's Word more accurately? Is there room for that? People today have all kinds of ideas, all kinds of interpretations about everything in God's Word. But can we understand God's Word more accurately? But then there's something else, friends. You see, in developing a culture of strengthening other believers, we need to be deliberate about allowing others to strengthen us. Friends, we live in a day in a society, and I've seen this, and I've heard it from some of you, as you have given me this feedback in the past, where it's not just about encouraging one another to help each other. We need to encourage one another to allow ourselves to be helped by each other. Because we live in a society in a day when we take pride in the fact that we can handle it on our own. You know, I can handle life on my own. I, you know, I'm, I'm responsible enough to take care of my problems. And in, in a culture like that, in a society like that, oftentimes the, that value creeps into our spiritual lives. And we, we tend to think that, you know, I can handle the situation on my own. Don't, don't, don't put me on a prayer list or don't, 
you know, I, I don't need to, know, to have other people know about this, or, uh, you know, I'm fine. But deep down, you're not. And you, you don't want to open up. You're either scared or insecure, or you, you don't want to portray a, a vulnerable view of yourself in your, in your spiritual journey. So that, let's say, you, you struggle with, with a particular issue or a particular feeling, or you're going through a low season in your spiritual life, and, and you, you don't want to let people know about that because you're afraid. What will they think about you? You like to portray a good picture of you to others. So we're afraid of letting others know that we do need to be strengthened by them. May I encourage us to learn the value of making room and allowing for others to strengthen us. That means um, letting them know what's going on in our lives. That means don't live secluded lives. Don't live in your own hub, in your own little cluster. Let others know what's going on in your life. Open up. Let others bless you. Because this, this, this blessing, this caring for one another by strengthening each other only works if there's openness on both ends. Openness to desire to help others and to care for others by strengthening them, but also openness on the other end to allow yourself to be strengthened. I feel like in our entrepreneurial, in our business-focused, um, self-motivated culture, this is a real struggle to accept. So I'm pleading with you. Take the shoes of Apollos. Put yourself in his shoes. Be open to let others strengthen you. That's why when Apollos, the outcome of all this is Apollos not only received the strengthening from from Aquila and Priscilla, but now he has a burning desire to strengthen others. No wonder that he wanted to go in other regions as well. No wonder that he wanted to go in places like Corinth and build up on what Paul had started and help build up that church and help believers grow in the faith. Four challenges for us this morning from this passage. Make room to care for the strengthening of other believers. Strengthen believers by bringing them the word of God. You don't have to be a pastor to strengthen other believers. Make room to allow others to strengthen you. Let's pray. Great God and King, thank you that you know our need for strengthening. Before your eyes, O oh Lord, none of us are as we perceive ourselves to be or as we would like ourselves to be. You know our true condition. Father, you know that some of us struggle even with the idea of letting others know that we need to be strengthened. Father, forgive us for that impression. Pray that you would make our hearts tender, not only to care about strengthening others, but also to care about letting others strengthen us. Lord, make us a people that are genuinely interested in the spiritual growth of one another. Give us the tools. Give us your word. Equip us so we may bring your word to each other in various ways. Apply it in creative ways to our situation so that indeed we may experience your strength so that together we might display the picture of Christ to Austin, to our neighborhoods, to our world. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.